0: Hey, good morning, it's Paige Browning. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Volunteers help keep Seattle humming. They tackle all sorts of needs, from providing food to hospice care to entertainment. But the pandemic shifted the landscape for volunteers in the city. I'll hear from some volunteers, alongside leaders with books to prisoners and real change on how they've adapted since the pandemic. But first, let's get you caught up. Protesters will gather in front of the King County Jail in downtown Seattle today. They're pushing for the jail's closure and calling attention to a man's death after he was held face down on a cell floor by jail guards. And just on Friday, the ACLU of Washington filed a lawsuit against King County over the conditions in the downtown jail. Six people died last year in jail custody or after being transferred from the jail to a hospital, according to the Seattle Times. The lawsuit alleges that county officials have breached a settlement agreement that requires adequate staffing and access to medical care for those held. Wednesday marks the official halfway point of the state legislative session and lawmakers in Olympia are making moves. The last day to pass bills out of their house of origin is March 8th, so lawmakers have a week and a half to debate which bills get sent to the opposite house for review. It'll be the first time since the pandemic started that a lot of lawmakers will be back on the floor full time. More formal budget proposals are expected later in March. And Emerald City Comic Con is this weekend a four-day celebration of everything nerdy here in Seattle. The event celebrating its 20th anniversary. The Seattle Times says about 2,500 people were at the first Comic-Con here. This year, the estimates for 75,000 people getting their geek on with cosplay, anime, games, and more at the Seattle Convention Center's new Summit building. Seattle has historically been a city where people raise their hand in high numbers. Volunteers provide essential services to organizations that help make this metropolitan area function. But as with everything else, COVID disrupted the way people were able to donate their time. The Seattle Times reported earlier this month that during the pandemic, volunteerism declined in Seattle. But many Seattleites told us the pandemic was the catalyst to start volunteering, ed holmes has volunteered ever since he retired in 2012 but when the pandemic hit he wanted more to do
1: i had a lot of time um once the pandemic hit because everything was just shut down and my wife uh she's disabled and so we we were kind of living like hermits
0: so he drove deeper into two of his passions
1: i volunteered at a a ragdoll rescue facility and um, a hospice because Unwanted animals still need care, and people are still passing away and try to make them comfortable during their their last couple of days.
0: Mary Sazja also got bored with the cadence of her life when the pandemic hit. Go to work, go home, go to work, go home. Once things started opening up again, she saw an opportunity to add meaning to her days. I'm a member of the Museum of Flight, and when they started letting people back in, it was scheduled entry and they only let a few people in at a time. So it was a very big space where you could actually walk around and not be at home. So I went all the time, every weekend, and it became my happy place. <laughs> so as the pandemic lifted, I was on the website one day looking or listening to a podcast that they had, and I noticed the scroll on the bottom for volunteers. So I decided I should volunteer at the Museum of Flight. So I filled out the paperwork and everything in, and. I've been volunteering now since October of last year. Soon, what started as a pandemic activity became a volunteer opportunity and a fixture in her schedule. Well, it meant so much to me during the pandemic, I wanted to do something to help them. And it's really fun. For Eliza Evans, she felt motivated to rekindle an old hobby. I used to be certified in Zumba. So I started teaching dance fitness classes from my living room, um, thanks to all of a sudden all these great online options that we had during during COVID. And that was incredible because uh, I did it in, initially in part for myself, just I needed a reason to get up and get moving. And I was missing people. So I started just saying, hey, let's get together and have these these classes. They were all free. And one of the beautiful things about it was it meant that friends and family from, from really from all over the world could suddenly join. Um, I had friends from England and a, a cousin in New York who I barely communicate with normally, but we were all connected a couple of days a week, uh, dancing together, laughing together. And that, I think that made a huge difference for all of us. For a lot of Seattleites, volunteering is fun and meaningful and a break from boredom. And while volunteers keep showing up, Organizations are finding different ways to utilize them. That's the case for Books to Prisoners, based in Seattle. As the name suggests, the organization provides books for people in prison. It works like this. People who are incarcerated pretty much anywhere in the U.S. can write them a letter and ask for books. And Books to Prisoners finds one within its own supply of donated books and ships it to them. Dictionaries, African-American history, legal materials, sci-fi, notebooks for drawing. And who's filling the roughly 1,000 book requests they get each month? Volunteers.
2: You never know what you're going to see when you open up the letter. You can get something incredibly basic, such as, you know, someone saying, send me books. Well, great, that's easy. I can, we've got we lots got, of books We've got me. those. <laughs> we can <laughs> send those, no problem. To people who will write an, an incredibly detailed letter with author, title, ISBN number, date, ed- hmm. edition, things like that.
0: Andy Chan is the secretary of the board of directors at Books to Prisoners. He says the mission never wavered for them, but it was a different operation a few
2: years ago. Pre-pandemic, it was entirely dropping. So we would never know from shift to shift whether one person was going to show up or 10 or 15. We had a basketball team show up one time. And literally, <laughs> literally a basketball team came in. I mean, we, we sort of... Um, Oh, gosh, we are very laissez-faire, certainly in the pre-pandemic era, to say that, you know, people could just come in and, you know, that people might show up for a single shift and then never show up back again.
0: That laissez-faire approach didn't work during the pandemic when offices shut down and all kinds of work went virtual. Andy says
2: requests for books kept coming. We decided well this is unsustainable let just know the way that we can keep up yeah. with this small number of people so we developed a kind of a bubble crew format in which each key holder uh, paired up with two i think two to three other people and and said to, th- to these folks if you think that you are going to be able to commit to volunteer every week for as long as the pandemic mm-hmm. goes then mm-hmm. then sort of we will be a a bubble
0: about 200 people made up those bubbles of volunteers half the number of their pre-pandemic volunteer list but
2: it really kept quite low in comparison to the pre-pandemic level and yet the number of hours that were being provided by the volunteers is is essentially the is the same in 2022 as it was in 2019 so we have we have uh, half the volunteers, but they're providing exactly the same number of volunteer hours.
0: How are fewer volunteers responding to the same demand for books? A key element, asking them to commit to Days Now instead of using a drop-in format.
2: I think the sign-up is, is is a big thing. It, it really sort of like crystallizes with people, well, I'm, I'm making a commitment here.
0: As a volunteer-driven organization, I can imagine you think... Uh, a leader might think, I, I don't want to require much of my volunteers. I, you know, they're not getting paid. They're not getting um, any financial benefit from this. I want to make it easy. Has this made it easier with the shifting throughout the pandemic? Has it made it easier to set some boundaries that, and some requirements that maybe didn't feel as comfortable coming from the organization before?
2: Yeah, I think that that was all internalized, essentially. I mean, that was us wanting to be as, as liberal as we could with our mm-hmm. volunteers. And, and as you say, not build up any significant e- expectations or indeed any expectations for the volunteers. And I think, as you said, the pandemic has created uh, a thinking amongst us that well, I think we can e- expect a little bit from folks.
0: Do you feel you have enough volunteers right now? to do the work you do and keep up with the book requests?
2: Basically, yeah. We are answering letters from the end of December and the beginning of January. So I mean, we are less than than two months behind, which for us is is really pretty good. So uh, Mm. I mean, I really can't complain about where we're at.
0: Tightening the ranks and asking volunteers to make slightly more of a commitment, that is working for Books to Prisoners. But for some nonprofits, doing the reverse was even better. Real Change has long had a model requiring few commitments, both for volunteers and people who work for them.
1: We basically say, hey, if you need a job, walk into our office, have about an um, hour-long orientation and kind of getting to know what we do and and how you can sell the newspaper. Uh, You receive 10 free papers and you're immediately employed. You're immediately able to go sell a paper. That's Katie
0: Comboy. She's the volunteer and community resource manager at Real Change. Real Change is a Seattle-based newspaper. It's written by professional staff and volunteers sold all around town by independent contractors. It's also supported by hundreds of volunteers. Before the pandemic, their model was simple, providing jobs through selling newspapers. With offices and schools closed, no one was walking around town to buy the papers. So real change pivoted. They started making hygiene kits, meal packages, and other resources to give to the people that otherwise would be making money selling the paper.
1: And so our job became, as volunteers, what can we provide that would substitute um, what vendors would typically be spending their income on? So uh, we created the room I'm in now. Actually, it's our meeting room, but it transformed into a community resource center, a food and hygiene center. Oh, we had volunteers sewing face masks, and this is an on a national level also, which wasn't something we were doing pre-pandemic. We were working hmm. only and exclusively really with very local volunteers and so now, even though the income is, is increasing and we're getting back to that new normal and, and gaining momentum, we're still providing lunches every single week um, mm. to kind of ease that burden, uh, especially with just all that COVID has left us you know, wow. dealing with. it's so interesting. The ways that you
0: actually bulked up your services totally in the pandemic, those are still there and all the old services. Yes, 100%. you are doing it all. Both, wow. yes. And to provide even more services to people, Real Change is expanding the kinds of roles volunteers can take on, making this work accessible to volunteers with a variety of skills and
1: time to commit. Aside from just trying to make some opportunities remote or virtual, which is a kind of a Mm. given because that is already more in demand um, than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. But doing more in-person direct service opportunities, I think, is, is quite reliant on making it flexible making it accessible mm-hmm. accessible to everyone
0: opening up the doors wide to volunteers has allowed people to join their team that may not have had the time or qualifications to give elsewhere that's something iskra johnson struggled with over the past few years she wants to volunteer and connect with people i couldn't imagine being useful one-on-one in a way that would mean something to me and and be effective through, through a mask or through zoom Though Iskra doesn't volunteer with Real Change, that challenge to encompass many volunteer needs is one reason Real Change is swinging the door open even further to volunteers.
1: We're here all the time. Come when you can, leave when you can. Let's collaborate more. Mm-hmm.
0: COVID disrupted so many aspects of life, and for people like Mary, the Museum of Flight volunteer, the pandemic finally inspired her to take the plunge. I mean, I always thought I should volunteer, but it never really got off my butt to do it. And, you know, thanks to COVID, I did. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. The show's also produced by Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, Vaughn Jones, Brandy Fullwood, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Paige Browning. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you